Is it possible to be a gun violence French and activist and gun owner at the same time? According to Dr. Cassandra Crafossi, Deputy Director of the Johns Hopkins Center for Gun Violence Solutions, the answer is yes. Here at Evidence for Change, we use evidence in order to reduce gun violence and save lives, which brings me the great honor of introducing you to Dr. Cassandra Crafossi. Today, we go deep, uncovering the inspiration behind the 2020 Summer Youth Institute, her experience collaborating with youth in the GVP movement, and dismantling the narrative on gun ownership. On top of her numerous awards over the years, one being the American Journal of Public Health Editor's Choice Award Best Papers of the Year, Cass is an incredible visionary and mentor. I met her from the Summer Youth Institute 2020, and ever since, she's been supportive in my gun violence prevention advocacy. The Evidence for Change podcast simply would not be possible without her. Now into the inspiration behind the Institute. Seeing the desire of young people to be engaged, to advocate for change, to really push people to ask the tough questions, we realized that there was a unique opportunity that we as a center could take advantage of, which would be to bring folks together to talk about the data, the evidence, how to effectively advocate and really synthesize that for folks you know there there are some groups who provide a little bit of training but not sort of an immersive uh, type of training experience and so we were exceptionally lucky to have funding from the david and lucille packard foundation they recognized as well as we did that this was a, a real turning point a real opportunity to impact for generations the way that folks are thinking and talking about gun violence prevention and policy. So they funded the Summer Youth Institute and we were able to bring youth together from across the country. And it was really a desire to make sure that the folks who are passionate about this topic, the folks who grew up experiencing lockdown drills, experiencing mass shootings uh, in the schools and and who have seen this growing up, that they have the tools and the voice to be able to make sure that people listened to the change that they said that they needed to see. In addition to the Institute, the center received another grant from the David and Lucille Packard Foundation to offer learners access to courses on gun violence prevention on Coursera, an open online course website featuring post-secondary courses from top global academic institutions. As reported by the Washington Post, the center's acclaimed course, Reducing Gun Violence in America, Evidence for Change, talks not just about school shootings, which catalyzed the March for Our Lives movement, but also other kinds of mass shootings, suicides, domestic gun violence, and urban gun violence. With my experience interviewing formerly incarcerated youth and having a focus on the intersection of gun violence and criminal justice through my work with Brady Team Enough, Courses have been integral to my understanding of very complex issues. One of the goals that we had in the grant from the Packard Foundation was to really expand and 
uh, the reach of our research, expand the reach of the evidence that we have that others have generated to get it into the hands of the people who are doing the work to make change. We were only able to bring a certain number of youth either in person or even host online for the Summer Youth Institute. So we wanted to create this free online course that brought together experts from all over the country to try to reach a greater number of folks. You know, we had a hundred or so students participate in our Summer Youth Institute. We've had over 8,000 people take our free online course. Um, and it's been great having it hosted on Coursera. It's all there. Um, sort of curated and, and ready to walk people through the different modules, but we're also able to take snippets of that and use them on YouTube or Instagram or wherever um, so we can really expand our reach. And, and this was another opportunity where we were pushing ourselves to say, how can we use the technology that's available to make sure that the information we have gets into the hands of the people who need it, the, the hands of the people, the youth, the advocates who are doing the work. I then asked Cass about the important principles to keep in mind when looking at gun violence prevention data. Well, first off, it's so important, regardless of the topic that you're working in, to remember that the data that you are looking at are people. There are real people whose families, lives, communities are impacted as a result of gun violence or whatever the topic is that you're interested in. And so keeping that central to everything that you're doing is really important so that you don't get burnt out you don't get detached because working in gun violence prevention and policy it's a hard space to be it's hard to think about this day in and day out uh, for a career or even as an advocate who's trying to make change so first of all keeping in mind who's behind the data is really important and then using a story to illustrate and, and help people make connections so i can tell somebody um, that you know forty-five thousand people were killed by guns in 2020 uh, which is more people than had ever been killed before which might make an impact but that might not resonate with everyone and and so being able to draw out a specific story, particularly if you're talking with a policymaker, for example, you can talk about a constituent who uh, lost their life or was impacted as a result of gun violence and use that to say, this is happening in your community. Here's here's the burden and the impact on this individual. And this is happening to 45,000 other families across the country. Like making that connection adds a little bit more power. And, you know, no, we don't want to make legislation based on one story, but the one story is representative of a much larger issue. A New York Times article titled For Gun Violence, Researchers' Bipartisan Bill is a Glass Half Full quotes Cassandra Grafossi, a researcher at Johns Hopkins, is a rarity in the field, an avid gun owner and sport shooter. Cass claims to be a part of the large moderate swath that is in invisible. Those who believe the Second Amendment protects citizens' rights to have a firearm in their home, but also believe that rights should be regulated by effective, evidence-based gun policy. Here, she explains the challenges she's faced identifying with this group and how she's overcome them. It is challenging at times being a gun owner who studies gun violence prevention and gun policy research. Uh, this actually wasn't my first 
uh, professional choice. I was planning to study other forms of injury prevention. And uh, when I was working on my dissertation as part of my PhD program, I had the opportunity to start working on some gun violence related projects and uh, very quickly realized that I brought a missing voice to the conversation that there are a lot of super smart people studying gun violence from a public health perspective or you know a range of different perspectives, but not very many people who were focused on sort of the prevention side from like sort of the public health perspective who had experience with firearms. Um, and I'd been in rooms where very smart people would say, well, if we could just educate gun owners and make them smarter, then they wouldn't own guns and then we could solve the problem of gun violence. And it to me signaled that there's lots of folks working in the space who maybe fundamentally don't understand why people might choose to have firearms in the home. My dad's a military veteran. I grew up with the guns in the home, did sport shooting and, and uh, hunting when I was younger. And it's always been something that has been a, a part of my life. Uh, it's a part of my life now with my husband. We actively shoot uh, not you know, like an everyday kind of thing, but it's a, a recreational activity that we like to engage in. And so I, I really can appreciate why some people might do that. Um, and it's helped me bridge some gaps. There have been times where I have wanted to talk with groups. So for example, I was working on a project doing focus groups with gun owners in Texas because we were trying to do a national survey. We wanted to understand attitudes and behaviors of gun owners. And I said, well, gun owners are not a monolith. I, I am a gun owner, but I certainly don't speak for all gun owners. And so we need to talk with some other folks, understand terminology, what kinds of things they're doing. But doing recruitment for those focus groups, people would tell me, well, you just want to take my guns away. And I could say, honestly, well, I mean, if you're behaving responsibly and you lawfully acquired them? No, I don't. Like, I want to figure out how we can come together because there are things that we all agree on. There are things that we all think are reasonable expectations for responsibility when you decide to exercise your right. And so how can we talk about those things in a way that aren't, that isn't going to alienate someone? And that's really helped me to make some of those connections and to be able to have conversations with folks I might not have been able to otherwise um, doesn't make the work less challenging or frustrating. And sometimes I still hear people in, in public health say like, you know, I, I just can't understand why people would own firearms. And, you know, that's an opportunity to educate people about the different reasons why people might choose to have a firearm in the home. Uh, but it definitely gives me a different perspective uh, that I think has been very helpful over the last 12 years or so. For you aspiring researchers out there, here's some closing remarks from Cass. Understanding what data is available and the quality of that data is really important. Um, we have some data on 
gun deaths in particular um, that can help us to answer some questions. But a lot of people might be surprised that we actually don't know how many people are non-fatally injured by firearms every year. We just don't know. We have some estimates that are really poor, so poor that the CDC stopped reporting them. Um, but we actually have a lot of things we don't know. So it's important to do two things. If you want to do research, be very specific about the kind of gun violence you're talking about because different questions, different solutions, different answers already exist. And understand what data is available to help you answer that question. And that can be challenging, but that's where things like our online course come into play. We do talk about some of that data. And you can always reach out. There are researchers all over the country who care about this topic. And I talk with folks all the time about trying to help them answer questions or trying to find the data that they need to answer it. Once again, thank you so much for joining us today, Dr. Cassandra Crafossi. At the end of the day, we are all youth and our goal is to ignite change within our communities, state and together nationwide. Because one state at a time, we can and we will reduce gun violence in America. For more information, follow at Evidence for Change on Instagram and check out our website, evidenceforchangepodcast.com. Thank you.